This episode is from Shakti Durga's online seminar series, Yoga of the Mind. Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga, and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes, and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. The discussion that we're going to have today, which is basically about your soul. So this is a way of connecting with your higher soul through meditation. And then we're going to just now spend some time talking about the essence of the soul itself. And please feel free to type things in the chat box as we're going along, which I'll check at the end of this section. So our soul, which exists like a vast light, it's like a geometry of light really, but it exists as light and also sound. There is a definite sound to each soul and geometric patterning. And it exists beyond the ocean of the astral world, which is where our mind normally hangs out. So let's understand how we come into being in the physical world. And one could say that at some place that is beyond time and space, beyond time and beyond what we recognize as geography, the isness, the oneness, if you think of that as God or however you perceive it, coalesced like a vortex forming, like a world, like a a hurricane vortex forming, uh, forms into something that has its own shape, and that's the soul. So the soul comes from the oneness beyond time. There's a sense that from where we are, the soul has no beginning, it has no end. And then there's a pouring down through the dimensions and a coalescing of us coming finally into a precious human life. And so after the soul is formed, and there's various levels of the soul that we learn about in the mystery school, then we come into the place where we choose, like Adam and Eve, to step out of the Garden of Eden, the place where everything's perfect and we're just existing in a sea of bliss and everything's provided for us. There's no negativity. There's no polarity. And then we come into this astral landscape where suddenly you've got up and down, you've got naked and clothed, you've got good and bad. And it's a deliberate choice by the soul to put itself into this more restricted field for the purpose of the getting of a golden grace of wisdom and the purpose of being able to kind of perceive the vast bliss of creation instead of being one with it like a fish in water that doesn't even know it exists because it's got it's just in it it's not conscious of it whereas when it goes through the journey of coming into the astral taking on an energy body and then finally taking on a physical body and all the adventures we get up to while we're in the physical realm all the adventures we have in the astral realm for that matter all the things that go on in our heads half of which might be real the other half isn't really It's only just what we sort of make up, all these adventures. So when you leave your body, you don't don't cease to exist. 
because the etheric astral soul and oneness part of you is still there. You just don't have this physical body anymore. But it's just good to have this remembrance. And um, so there's all this other part of self going on. And let's just think about what is the larger consciousness pattern that goes on through these different dimensions as well. So self is existing in all these dimensions and consciousness sits differently in all of these dimensions. So from us sitting down in the physical world where there's senses and objects that we can perceive, that's what our consciousness tends to spend most of its time with. If we were just in our energy field, as some beings are, there are beings that don't become fully incarnated as physical, and we'll talk more about that in Life Beyond Form, which is a Mystery School open class coming up in April. But there are there's life going on in there. There's energy. There's energy body. There's the human energy body and many other forms of energy body as well. Then we come up into the astral area and we've got it's a sea of thoughts, it's beliefs, it's memories, it's the matrix, it's paradigms. You know, humans are trapped in these paradigms and some of the paradigms are very painful and yet the the matrix has accepted these as real and tells us that that is what life's like. Get over yourself, get with the program, this is the way it has to be. Whereas it doesn't. It doesn't have to be. The matrix just says it. If enough of us stop believing that, things will change. An example of that matrix change is the sexual revolution of the 1960s. You know, before that time, anything to do with sexuality was taboo. Sex before marriage, oh my God, you're a terrible sinner. And then up came the all the work done by all the mystics and all the people behind the scenes working to free humanity from the imprisonment of believing that their sexuality is an evil thing. All that work that was done in the 1800s, the early 1900s by different mystery schools, uh, particularly in England, there was a lot of work done on this, and they basically smashed the matrix, which then had a, a working through in consciousness as the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s, and that's how it came. So it was a bit messy, and change often is, but think of what our life is now. Think about how our children are facing the world as opposed to how we or our parents did on on an issue such as that. And I'm just using that as an example because it's such a strong one of what we believed was okay and what wasn't and the suffering that it caused. You know, if you can imagine that even in the 1960s, um, they were castrating uh, homosexual people, chemically castrating them or locking them up and putting them in prison. So that was the matrix and look, and now it's a much healthier matrix in my view. So I'm just using it as an example to say things can change. Things don't have to stay as they are. Slavery was another thing that the matrix used to say, of course you've got to have slaves. Uh, how's society going to operate if we don't have slaves? Well, we now know because slavery is abolished and whilst I know there's still pockets of slavery in the world, the matrix now does not accept slavery. So so it's such a rich area. But then where we're talking today, we're going beyond that. We're going up beyond all that messy human-made stuff and we're going into what the divine created. And the divine as the infinite, limitless, 
not like a man sitting in a cloud. Like that's just so astral. A man sitting in a cloud is astral. That is a belief. It's a thought. It's a. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the infinite isness that is um, that has no shape, no form. It's just pure bliss beyond any form or even beyond any idea. And it gave a series of organizing principles to creation. And these organizing principles are held in the realm of the soul, in the dimension of the soul. And these are called the spiritual laws. That's how we understand them as spiritual laws. And we look at these in the laws of life in another program, the spiritual laws which are laws of consciousness as well, and they're they're the laws of creation for our universe. So we have things like the law of karma, um, the law of vibration, the law of attraction. There are at least a dozen of these laws, and in fact there's more that I haven't written about, but there's the 12 main ones are written about in my book, Spiritual Mastery. And um, so those laws hold us, And from them come causal factors, the effect of which is felt in the astral world, the energy world, and the physical world. So they are more powerful than any thought or belief, and they are part of what we are threaded into, that our souls are threaded in and through these things, and so are our egos actually, but the ego usually doesn't want a bar of it and wants to do the opposite of what the law says. And remember that in that realm where the laws exist, there is no duality. It's all uh, a harmonious flow of bliss and grace all the time. It's only in these other realms that the duality kicks in and we have a creative range of every color in the palette from white to black. So that's really the essence of it. This polarity thing is a big thing to get your head around. The fact that your soul exists in a non-dual state is something that might be new for you. It was certainly very new when I discovered this years ago. And from the soul's perspective, there's actually nothing to fear. Life holds no terror. Even death does not scare your soul because the soul knows that death is a matrix illusion of humanity, that birth is actually scarier to a soul than death is. Because when, you, when you're born, the soul kind of has only a tangential control over you and it knows there's going to be this ego that develops that's going to have a mind of its own, it's going to have an agenda of its own, And certainly there's going to be karmas that are going to play out through the soul's incarnation, which is you and me and everyone else, but we don't quite know how it's going to go. So there's a lot more trepidation. If if such a thing existed, the soul would be, soul doesn't have fear, but it is scarier coming into incarnation than it is leaving it. When we leave our incarnation, we're actually going into the oneness again. We're going into a state where our consciousness is much more expanded and where a whole bunch of other experiences are waiting for us. And again, I'll talk more about that in Life Beyond Form, which is a mystery school class in April. So here we go. From the ego's perspective, we're always chasing happiness. Happiness isn't anything that I've already got because that might have been what I thought would make me happy. But now I know that really that new car I bought last year, there's a newer one 
and I want the newer one because then I'll be happier. I want these new season fashions because last season's fashions, which last year made me very happy, they don't make me happy anymore. I've got to have these new ones. And so the ego is always on a treadmill. Happiness is always something it has to strive for. And so that's the way a lot of people live because they don't know about their soul. They don't know that there's a part of themselves deep inside that is already happy, it's already content, it doesn't need any of that stuff. It's already joyful, peaceful, accepting and relaxed. And that's what yoga of the mind's about, is finding all that within. So the soul is like the sun. This is a great metaphor, really helpful metaphor. And your mind is like the moon. So with the metaphor of the sun, is the soul light in you blazing Or do you feel like it's behind some pretty thick clouds? You know, I'm not really in touch with that part of myself much at all. I mainly feel depressed. I mainly feel anxious. I mainly am worried all the time. Well, that's when you're living in the moon. You're living in your mind. And the moon has 28 days in its cycle and each one has a different amount of light. And just think of as a metaphor that your mind can be a tiny little bit of light where it's pretty dark in there, or it can be blazing with the reflected light of your soul. The mind itself does not have light. The light has to come in from your soul, and that's why spiritual practices are so important. You know, reciting beliefs is keeping you in your mind, but when you actually go through the recitation into contemplation, then you connect with your soul. But people aren't taught that, unfortunately. So when the soul can shine fully on your mind, your whole being becomes illumined. And this is the journey of illumination. It's like the light of the sun shining through the moon. And that's what we experience on earth as an illumined being. I said before that the soul, it doesn't look like you. It doesn't look like your physical self. The soul is a geometry of light and sound. And I'm not saying it looks like that either. I'm just trying to put some different imagery in your mind to free your mind from the idea that you and whatever limitations you identify with is what your soul looks like because it doesn't. Light and sound in geometries that are pulsing and changing and swirling and lighting up and dancing with the divine all the time and dancing with other souls. Even though the soul is a very high and holy part of self, it's still not the infinite oneness where there's only oneness. The essence of the oneness that's in me is that exactly the same essence of the oneness that's in you. But there's my soul and there's your soul that holds that essence of oneness. So in your spiritual practices over time, you'll be guided as to how to spend more time in these realms when you want to, to be refreshed and to recalibrate really, and then to be able to look at your life through a different set of eyes. Another important thing for us to really understand when we're meditating, when we're seeking higher guidance from our souls, from the divine part of self, is that the soul does not exist in its blazing sunlight 
essence. It doesn't exist as thought and it doesn't think. Thinking is an astral activity. So as far up as thought goes is the top of the astral field. That's it. Above that is pure awareness. There's no Tupperware. So if you think that every thought, every belief, every paradigm that you live by is actually a Tupperware box and you're living inside that set of Tupperware, the soul is not bounded by that. There is an unbounded quality of beingness to your soul that when you're looking from inside the Tupperware box, you can't see it. And so that's why the spiritual practices that we learn and, by the way, that we practice day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, eventually we get to this stage where we can have whole periods of time where where there's no Tupperware and it's so freeing, it's so amazing. And um, in my life, the thing that has gotten me there the most has been hanging out with people who can already do it. So spiritual masters, gurus, rishis, sages, saints, whatever you want to call them, they've helped me the most with this. So the soul connected to infinite intelligence contains various levels and holds the keys to your life's purpose. Our purpose will flow through us. It can't not. It comes with the terrain of life. And very often your purpose will arise from some point of pain that you experience in your life and then want to overcome. So for me, you know, my purpose has been to help people to connect with their soul, to feel better about themselves and better about themselves in relationships. And that all came about through going through a horrible divorce and getting postnatal depression and feeling really disconnected and, and lonely and, and just really in a dark place. And that's where I learned the things that I'm now sharing with you, although I've refined things a lot over the 25 years. 30 years since then. And so it's the pain and what you overcome that it's purpose driven. And then you're able to sort of share that with others. You know, you're able to help someone else's life be a bit better than yours was when you're going through it. So purpose is a whole other story. We'll talk a lot about purpose at different times. Let's look at the whole notion of inspiration because inspiration coming from your soul is a very real phenomenon and it is absolutely true that our soul and loving guides send us impulses from the soul realm and that this is really important to know your life direction, to help you make decisions and in any moment of confusion to be able to go and sit and just connect until you know what to do. I sometimes tell the story, um, there's been so many, but this one's a really clear one, of once upon a time I was um, really vilified by another spiritual teacher who'd never sat any of my classes and who came from a different paradigm to me, and that's fine, but he was just being very nasty about me personally. He'd never met me. And so I wrote to him and I said, oh, hi, you know, I've heard, I've seen, you know, some things you've put on the internet and I'm just wondering where this has come from and I'm wondering what the root of this is and can we talk about it, please? You know, I'd I'd love to understand your perspective and perhaps to share my perspective with you so we can understand each other because I really don't relate to these things that you've put online. Anyway, I got this terrible flame mail back from him 
just ranting and ranting. And anyway, it was quite hurtful. And I just went and sat for quite a long time in meditation. And what I received in meditation was that this person has a lot of pain on board and quite a bit of distortion. And it doesn't matter what you say, it won't affect his prejudgment that I'm a bad person and he's a good person. That's it. You're not going to shift that. That's his paradigm. He comes from a matrix where that's the way things are. And I knew that I just needed to cut, send love and let go. And any time he came into my mind or someone told me about some other horror story that he'd put online, all I did was I just sent love and I cut, send love and cut. And the whole thing just went away. And the people who he'd tried to um, influence could see straight through it and just went, you know, we we actually don't want to hang out with this kind of energy. Thank you very much. And they, they all stopped following him, which is probably a good thing. But the point being, without that inner guidance, I would have tried to keep justifying, hey, can we sort this out? Um, can we talk about this? Like, I don't understand where you're coming from. Uh, anyway, it's just an example of getting guidance. And there's all kinds of stuff floating around in the astral dimension. And and there are discarnate spirits, and that is a person who's left their body, but they're so attached to what was going on in their last life that they don't just go straight up into the soul realm where they would be happy and loved and nurtured and their family would be waiting for them and everything else. And they are just usually angry. They're usually not very happy and they can, um, they can make a mess in the astral sea. And sometimes things we're bringing in from above can get impacted by mess from outside us, but also mess from within us. So take this example. Here's this woman. She's going through a horrible situation with, with a, with a husband, with an ex-husband actually. And here's an angel saying to her, be kind to your ex-husband and things will improve. Okay. So that kind of guidance that you feel as a, you don't feel it as a sentence. It doesn't come in in a linear sentence. It comes in a blob. You just know that blob. I just need to be kind to my husband. Oh, comes like that. Anyway, so that's what comes in from her higher soul and the, the angels that serve your soul. But then in comes the astral distortion. And by the time she's processed it in her mind that's very angry with her hus- ex-husband, she says, my higher self told me I don't have to be nice till he's nice to me, which your higher soul would actually never say. And this is one of the points of spiritual training, one of the reasons to have spiritual training so you can start to get a handle on what is normal from a soul perspective and what's not normal. So, um, yeah, any distortion that is not loving, it won't be from your soul. It'll have astral distortion in it. And this other woman's going, huh? What are you, what are you talking about? It's where her little gremlins from her mind, her thoughts and beliefs are interfering with the soul's guidance. Then she um, goes to the ex-husband and says, you're really awful and you've got to be nice to me or you'll have bad karma. Um, So, you know, she's really in the stuff. What we perceive is the next area of distortion, as in 
um, the non-stillness and all the distortion coming in um, is distorted and thus we our understanding can be distorted and the understanding is distorted because of our paradigms, our beliefs, our thoughts and our past experiences. They create distortion and then the last area of distortion is where we communicate it incorrectly as she has communicated incorrectly with her ex there. So that's... um. That's the downside of trying to seek guidance, but you can learn how to test that guidance. You can learn to test the guidance. And the simplest way is, does it feel loving? Does it feel purely loving? And if it doesn't, it's distorted and don't believe it, don't follow it. So if you're ever guided to do something that's harmful to another person, then this is distorted because higher souls never inspire fear-based responses and there's never a negative emotional charge from your higher self. That's our ego. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favourite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com. Ali,